we're going to be, the, the arc we're going to be going through the rest of the service here is to continue to talk about and invite into how does God do this in us? Because some of us might be in a spot, you're like me, sometimes I'll be like, that was cool, I get it. Oh, I'm still feeling a little gunky. Lord, how do I let you do that? And this is the stuff, this is the stuff, this is the real fruit-bearing stuff that God wants to do in us. We're not just kind of paper macheing over anxiety or fear, but he's digging down deep into the thing to transform us so that when we face anything that opposes the gospel, which is Jesus dying for us, coming back from the dead, making it okay between us and God, and then we can give our lives to a world desperate for love, that we're not afraid. I'm like, oh, I've already dealt with that. I'm good. Who around here knows who Jonathan Free is? Yes. John Free has led Fusion for how many years? Uh, seven. I've been a leader in Fusion. A leader in fusion, and so, and so then he's kind of stepped back a little bit for Israel to take the lead role and continues to assist, but then he's also working to oversee our su various supporting ministries and just doing a whole lot of this and that uh, with us. And so, John, the other day, we, we were, um, we had a, we have a, we'll assemble a team of people throughout the staff to say, let's, let's talk about what it feels like the Lord is wanting to impart to our community. And so we've been talking about going into this thing of the, the lifestyle of Jesus and whatnot. And John just popped out with his teaching. He just went on the whiteboard. And we were just like, whoa, that makes sense of what we're trying to say. And so what I wanted to do today was really just give John a chance to present that and ask him some questions about it. So if you're new to Believer's Church, you'll notice I repeat myself a lot. I, I'm like, have you guys ever watched the shows on like Hulu or Netflix that... The next episode repeats everything that you just watched, and it drives you crazy. So if you're feeling that way, sorry about that. But there are new people here that weren't here for that previous episode. So that's why I like to repeat ourselves when we do it. So we've been talking about this idea of what do I want, what kind of life do I want. And, and the argument we've been making is actually I think we're made for the life that Jesus lived. That's the life you actually want whether you realize it or not. And so... So because of that, we have realized to have Jesus' life, we have to live Jesus' lifestyle. We have to live the way Jesus lived. Now, the blood of Jesus invites us into something we can never do for ourselves. We can never for ourselves be forgiven or be brought into the presence of God or adopted as his son or, or have everything right between us and God. We are incapable of that. But what God loves about his original intent for creation is that that we'd be in fellowship with him as a son and daughter and then get to play with him. Get to create stuff with him. Get to steward the earth with him. Get to be, be creative and endeavor in things and build things with him. And so, so the Jesus lifestyle part is our ability to make decisions that God still wants us to do so that we start to learn how to live in consonance and harmony with our Father in this beautiful way that that he's never forcing us to do. He's inviting us to do. And so the way we're describing Jesus' lifestyle is for us is ordering daily life, just a normal everyday life, not just church worship, worship services, but daily life around the practice of spiritual disciplines. We're going to talk about what that means. And the Holy Spirit's power, the power to do what we cannot do ourselves. So 
our cooperation with God's power. So we've been talking about Jesus' lifestyle. One of the first things we see in his lifestyle, one of the disciplines, one of the conscious things you do is pray. And we've been talking about prayer in just four simple categories. P-R-A-Y, that we could see it in Jesus' prayer where he instructed the disciples in Matthew 6. That you start with this pause, then you go into rejoicing, hallowed be your name. You ask, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us our daily bread. And this yielding, oh, forgive us our sins. Rescue us from temptation, you're in charge. And so last week we started with the pause. And I've heard, I've heard some positive feedback. Anybody, did you find some of that pause stuff last week helpful? Okay, good, good. Because what, what my contention is like, we're in such, we're maybe, in my opinion, one of the most noisy, overstimulated societies in human history. I could be wrong. But it's like we carry society in a little glass box around with us all the time. They go, wah, 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 you know, at any time, day or night. And, and so there's something about this pause that's so critical. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about pause, just going a little bit deeper. And the, the question we're going to try to ask is, how does this pause actually help me to live Jesus' life? How does getting quiet in, in the presence of God and, and, and just letting him mess with me help me to live a life like Jesus. And, and so it begs the question, what was Jesus' life like? What was it for him? And so uh, one of the things that John uh, stated the other day that I thought was really powerful is that there's these two questions, they're not the only questions we have to answer as humans, but these are two big questions that all of us are trying to answer all the time. The first one is, am I significant? Do I matter? And am I safe? Right? A lot of ways you could say, am I going to eat again? <laughs> and, and let's look at Jesus' life. Think about Jesus' life just in brief. Is he significant? He knew who he was, so much so in John 13. It says that knowing where he'd come from and where he was going, he went and served his disciples and washed their feet. In other words, he could do humiliating things because he didn't have to argue about his identity. He knew who he was. Then think about this. Did Jesus believe he was safe? Think about Jesus. He was so unafraid, he could fall asleep in a boat that was in a major storm. Like, what kind of inner life do you have, right? Where the boat's, you're getting splashed on, and you're literally just napping. I can barely nap when I'm not sure if I paid all my bills, Right? So Jesus' life, there, there, he was apparently, and we could go on and on about that. I think you probably agree with me that if you read the Gospels and know anything about Jesus, he had pretty good answers for, am I significant or am I safe? So, how does pause help me answer these big questions like Jesus did? So John, t- tell us about this. Yeah, am I significant, am I safe? I, I think these are the questions that demand an answer in our life. And I think we carry them uh, either consciously or subconsciously into every moment. And so our old man, uh, our orphaned self that's still in the process of being renewed has uh, metrics, has a particular way of answering these important questions. And it's specifically, uh, and I got this from Henry Nowen, a spiritual uh, teacher, a Christian, very helpful the three main ways that we try to answer these questions of significance and safety are by looking at, well, what do others think of me? If others think well of me, 
and I'm significant, and I'm going to be safe. Uh, the second one is how am I performing? As long as I'm performing well in my life, at my job, I have significance and I have safety. And the third one is, is what do I have in my possession? And, and, and so that might be looked differently for each of you. Maybe as long as I have kids that are behaving well, as long as I have a good family, as long as I have enough money, uh, as long as I have success or trophies, whatever it is, I can be significant and safe. And there's a couple really obvious problems with these metrics. One, they're, they're very volatile. You know, some days we're, we're really killing it in, in these areas. <laughs> and some days we're not. And so when the metrics that we use for answering these questions that demand an answer are volatile, we become very volatile, right? When people think well of me, oh, I... I'm, 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 you know, I'm so happy, right? But the moment I'm rejected or I don't do well in this sermon that I'm sharing with you guys, I, I'm plummeted into depression. The only options for our soul when our primary metrics for gauging whether we're significant or safe, um, when, when our primary metrics are these three things that I present, our only options are our arrogance, when we're doing really well, and self-rejection when we're doing poorly. Another issue with these metrics is they're, they're comparative, competitive by nature. Um, it, sets up us, it sets us up against one another. How do I know if I'm performing well? Well, how are they performing, right? Um, can I keep going? Yeah, go. Yeah, but the good news is um, there's another way. <laughs> Amen? And, and it's trust in Jesus. The only ultimately satisfying answer to these questions that demand an answer is the gospel. It's the truth that I am loved and accepted by God through Jesus, and I'm a part of his family forever. And this is the way that uh, Paul answers these questions, and so we've got a couple passages. Galatians 2.20, this is Paul, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. This old man that uses these old, volatile, competitive metrics, I am crucifying. Jesus is crucifying that. I, that, that old me, John Peterson talks about how this is like a schizophrenic Paul. I, who's the I that he's talking about in each moment? That old man no longer lives, but Christ lives in me. And the life and I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And then in Philippians 3, Paul says, If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. If someone else were to come to me and said, Man, I am killing it in these three metrics, I would say, Well, I'm doing better. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, a tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the churches, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing, surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. So Paul, Paul is advocating for standing naked and being clothed in this righteousness that we have in Jesus. And he's saying that all those other things that I used to wrap around myself— success, fame, the fact that I was a Hebrew of Hebrews, the fact that I was a high performer, things I used to wrap around myself that never did it for me. I'm saying those things are worthless. They're dog dung compared 
to Christ. The fact that I have been loved and accepted, reconciled, set in right relationship with the Almighty God through Jesus. This is, this is why, this is my significance. I am significant. I'm safe in an ultimate way, an eternal way, because of the gospel. I tell the students in Fusion that if you're, uh, if you had a, if you had a price tag on your life, written on the price tag would be the very life of God. You are significant. You are valuable. And I just, I think the heart of the Father that I, I want to bring this morning is, is just the Father saying, man, I, I don't want you to settle for these, these, these false securities, these false things that, that are never going to do it for you. I want you to have the real thing, the real thing. Um, yeah. So that's good stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Well done, John Free. And Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. So here's the deal. Am I significant? Am I safe? The old person says that that person, apart from God, pre-blood of Jesus, um, what do others think of me? How am I performing? What do I have? The new person says, okay, that's never going to work. It's never going to be enough. I can't get there. I'm going to let my life die, take on Jesus' life. And now the way I answer these questions, am I significant? Am I safe? Is that I'm loved and accepted by Jesus. And I'm part of this family forever. And here's the thing. I think for most of us, we know this is true. But the question is, why is it so hard to believe and live it? Right? Do you know this to be true? Yet you're dogged by how you're performing. Right? I am dogged by what others think of me. Do they, th- do they think of me well? And I'm really nervous about what I have. Will it be enough? So the question is, what can I do? I know this to be true. What can I do? And this is where the, the whole pause idea comes in. And it, it kind of, it, 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 the way I, the illustration I want to use is, if you imagine that's a cup with uh, like silt or pebbles in it or something like that. And, and, and that water is kind of our inner world, right? And now some of us, this may be an oversimplification that, that we're walking around in stillness. <laughs> because I find that that's pretty rare, at least in my world. You know, we're walking a little stirred up. But then something happens to violate one of these things I might be using. Someone might just really let, let me know how disappointing I am to them. Or just let me know, here's one more thing you missed this week. Or maybe something you thought you were going to get, someone else got. And what happens is our inner world does this. It goes, it's just all, right? Stirred up, going in what, what our natural reaction in the old way of living. Because actually, did you know, Jesus is retraining us so that it's no longer the natural reaction. Because we're a new person. Does that make sense? But you still remember stuff. you got some neural pathways <laughs> that have been kind of set. That when this gets stirred up, what do we do? I'm going to defend myself immediately to show you why you should love me. Or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you why I didn't actually fail or it wasn't my fault. 
or I'm going to desperately defend what I need. But here's the power of the pause. The power of pausing, not acting, not yelling, not even demanding something of God. To pause quietly in the presence of Jesus with your inner world freaking out. It's exactly what we did with this blood of Jesus little exercise. That wasn't planned, but I could tell the Holy Spirit was leading us into that just before with the music. Of pausing with the crazy inside of me and letting God calm me down enough to be able to see clearly what is true. Make sense? I'm not going to act. I'm not going to do. I'm not going to run. I'm going to wait and pause with Jesus enough for him to talk me into. You are loved because of me. There's nothing you can do wrong that would separate you from my father. I got it covered. You have a family forever. You belong. <gasps> Now, the pause is hard stuff, right, John? You've got some examples of how you, you, the Lord has helped you from this stirred-up space. Because we all have... Does anybody have examples of acting out of the crazy? Yeah? Yeah, me too. I, got, I, I, I can tell you thousands, you know. Thousands of... I fight for my rights, you know. But, pause, but tell us, how, 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 have you, how is this discipline, this action of pausing with the Lord kind of helped you in this thing. Yeah, I'll give you a couple examples. At the beginning of this COVID, I just thought of this one, at the beginning of the COVID season, um, you know, I work in a church and I have, you know, married, have a, a mortgage and things were getting kind of shaky. <laughs> you know, we weren't able to meet. You know, my, my progression is usually man, I'm going to lose my job and then I'm probably going to lose my house and then I'm going to lose my marriage and then I'm going to be homeless and I'm going to die under a bridge. <laughs> it's kind of the, the progression that my mind tends, tends to take. But I just, you know, when things started to get a little bit crazy and my sense of security and significance were being stirred, um, I just heard, I, I, just, I just sat still with the Lord and I heard the Father say to me, Jonathan, I am, I am addressing your source of security or safety and significance. I, I am going to allow these things to be shaken, you know, so that, so that you'll be, you're going to be able to see, oh, in this area, yeah, God, I don't really trust you that you're going to provide for me. Wow, God, I, I'm struggling to believe that, man, if I'm not a pastor, then who am I? My, my sense of significance is being rattled and I just, you know, probably a thousand different times through this COVID journey have had to just sit still with the Lord and, and, and bring all of the angst and the discomfort and the internal gunk and just, you know, sometimes you just sit there and nothing happens. Sometimes every once in a while you'll sit there and you'll just hear the, the authoritative lion roar of the Father saying, I'm the one. I'm the one who gives you everything that you need. I'm the one that plucked you out of death. I'm the one that delivered you from anxiety and despair. And I am going to give you everything. I'm going to provide you with everything that you need. No person in the universe has the authority and the power to keep you from what I have determined to give to you. 
And you leave those moments of pause and it's like, oh, I'm safe. I'm significant. Another, another moment, I think one of my most, can I share one more? Go. One of my most significant journeys uh, with these questions of significance and safety uh, has to do with my journey of exploring vocation and becoming a youth pastor. I, I told Guile in my interview when he was bringing me on to be the junior high youth pastor, I don't know why I said this, I meant it, but I, I said, Guile, you know I'm terrified of public speaking. Um, and I, I don't know what he thought or felt after I said that, <laughs> but he played it off pretty well. He's, you know, Guile is an incredible, incredible man. Um, he, he said, uh, you know, you got a heart after God, it's going to work out. But for my first five, six years of being a youth pastor, um, maybe four and a half years or so, I just struggled so profoundly with public speaking, feeling so self-conscious, so insecure anytime I'd get up and share. And I just remember one night in particular, you know, for the, th- for the thousandth time, you know, I'd really laid my heart out there, done my best, and, you know, f- felt like no one was listening, felt like it didn't land. And I just felt so insignificant, like such a failure, like such a joke. Um, you know, man, surely I'm not cut out for this. You know, I'm going to lose my job. Someone else is better, more qualified. And I just remember that night um, just going and sitting still in this pause space and hearing, feeling the invitation of God. Uh, I felt like God said, Jonathan, I want you to fight with me right now. I want you to fight me. Like, a, like an invitation to a Jacob wrestling with God moment. And I said, okay. I said, God, why did you make me a preacher? I, I am boring these students with my terrible, unhelpful, lame preaching every week. And every week I get, I get off the platform. I feel like a failure. I didn't perform well. This isn't helping anybody. This is miserable. Why did you call me to be a preacher? And I just sat still for a second and then I, I just... I just heard just the booming voice of the Father, almost like a like a moment. You know, Job had been questioning and challenging God, and then God showed up in the in the storm. Uh, and I heard God say to me, "Who told you that you were a preacher? You're not a preacher. You're my son. You're my son." And that just reverberated in my bones. Um, and so I, I I've been on this really uncomfortable journey for, you know, 10 years of learning how to believe this stuff, and I'm still on it. I remember coming to Guile and saying, Guile, will you pray for me? I just struggle so much with insecurity. I just need to be delivered. And he said, John, this is probably going to be a, a lifelong journey. <laughs> and I was disappointed <laughs> to hear that. <laughs> then you had to go pause to deal with your disappointment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I, I'm not trying to make your failure uh, moments even greater here, but I just remember, didn't you have one where you like, you got so verklempt that you stopped, but I tell the whole story of that because that's really powerful. Yeah. So kind of in the height of, in the height of, in the height of this, um, one, it was one Wednesday in particular where I was just so, I was so in my own head, you know? I, I think I really came into my role um, just struggling with feeling like I, I needed to prove. I, I, I don't know. I didn't want this, and I knew this wasn't who I was, but just this sense that I had to, I had to prove that I was significant. 
you know, by the way that I performed. And when you're a preacher or when you're a pastor, it's preaching can feel like the test of significance for you. But one Wednesday in particular, I was sharing and just, I don't know, it didn't feel like it was landing. And I just was overcome by anxiety, <laughs> you know, like a panic attack in the middle of the, the sermon. And uh, I just, I just stopped. I totally lost my train of thought and I just stopped and, and said, uh, hey, hey guys, I'm really sorry, but um, I'm, I'm totally lost. I, I don't think I can recover right now in this sermon. Um, would you guys just pray for me? <laughs> and so Sam, Sam Smith just jumped up and uh, came and laid his hands on me, and the community loved me and prayed for me. And, and I, I, I just, for years, I would think back to that moment and, sh- and shudder. But um, like a year ago, it had been like three years since that moment, I was in a, in a meeting with bunch of the students, there were some seniors there, and we asked them to share some of their most significant moments as a fusion student, and um, one of the girls uh, got up and said, you know the most significant moment for me as a fusion student that I can think of? Jonathan, is that, (laughs) it was that Wednesday, when you totally failed, she didn't say that, when you totally lost your composure, and I knew in that moment, if he can be human, if he can be normal, if he can be weak, I can be too. <laughs> Isn't that powerful? Right? Guys, guys, this is what God's doing in us. This is what we're talking about in that little transitional moment where God's, he's not satisfied. He loves us too much to just pat us on the head Make the bad feelings go away for a minute. He wants to transform us into the life of Jesus where we're secure about our significance and we're not afraid about whether we're saved. But it takes this hard work. So we're going to do a little practice this morning that John, John you're going to coach us through. I'm going to leave this thing up here. So again, it's this idea. Here are these Crucial questions. Am I significant? Am I safe? Our old person, our culture, right? We're bombarded daily, right? I love how Anna started the collective nine years ago and it's still going. Is when we get together as God's people, we have to de slime from a culture that tells us if you perform well, then you're significant. If you have stuff, then you're safe. We just get shouted at day in and day out. Your performance reviews at work, you name it, right? But that through this moment of being able to pause, we can actually access and give Jesus a chance to address these lies inside of us, these things we believe that aren't true, that are part of our old self, to say, no, I'm in love with you. I've forgiven you. There's nothing between us. I'm, I'm totally for you. Nobody can separate you. All the yummy stuff. But we've got to pause to get there. So, John, lead us through an exercise and pause. We can do right now to even just access this. Yeah. So, right, I'm just going to intro, intro that um, my pause spaces, uh, intro to pause. Oftentimes, it's at the end of the day, and it feels kind of like a plane crash. <laughs> like I'm kind of plane crashing into my pause after a challenging day, and, and, and then I'm just sitting in the wreckage <laughs> of the day. <laughs> Um, and so I don't know if you can relate to that, but oftentimes my entering into a pause feels a bit like that. Um, but 
Yeah, the goal for me is is really simply I want to sit still with the Father with what is. Whatever the wreckage of your life, the anxieties, the disappointments, the failures, the rejections, we can recognize that these things are actually doorways to the mercy and the love of God. These things are our, our pathways. You know, another thing I'm mindful of is do I need to apologize to God for anything? Most days I do, and I do, and he meets me. So uh, let's, let's practice this. We're just going to sit still. Yeah, sorry. I told myself I'd make the, extru- the instructions simple enough so that everyone could do it. We're going to sit still with what is, and we're going to ask the Father to love us with what is. So let's take what, three minutes? Three minutes. So, Father, we, we come into your presence right now with what is. Would you meet us with what is?
Father, we want to be defined by your love. We want to be defined by you. You're the only one with the authority to tell us who we are. So, Lord, I pray that you teach us as a community. Lord, when our inner world gets stirred, when we experience these difficult things in life, would you teach us to sit with you and to allow you to love us. Teach us to to get to the grace and the love that you have for us. Lord, I pray that this stuff would, would get into our bones. Pray that this stuff would get into our bones. Yeah, I just want to close by by just sharing this. Um, you know, have you have you ever just been discouraged by the promises of God? <laughs> you know, read read Galatians five, the fruits of the spirit, and just felt deficient. You know, love, joy, peace. God, I'm depressed and I'm anxious and I'm angry. Have you ever just felt depressed? <laughs> by the promises of God. And I just, I can think of times in my life where I've read these beautiful promises and, and been moved almost to tears with this passionate cry. For the life of me, I cannot get these off, these truths, these promises off the pages of this book and into my heart and into my bones. And in my experience, uh, it has been the lifestyle of Jesus spiritual practices. Um, also, it's been my ordinary life, you know, failures, um, been opportunities to remember God's love. But the, the practices, the lifestyle of Jesus is such a wonderful gift to us. Um, we, we, can, we can experience greater depths of the life of Jesus if we will commit to his lordship and his leadership in, in our lives. Um, so that's a hopeful, hopeful thing. Um, I just wanted to close with this one story. Um, there's a, a Brennan Manning book that I was reading, and he tells this story about a man who has an uncle named Seamus. I pronounced it Seamus, and Guile uh, told me that it's Seamus. But Uncle Seamus was getting into the last years of his life, and this is it was this guy's favorite uncle. I think he lived in Ireland, and he thought, I've got to go visit Uncle Seamus before he passes and so he flew to Ireland to go be with Uncle Seamus. And him and Uncle Seamus were walking on the coast of Ireland. And Uncle Seamus said, hey, let's just stop. And so they stopped for a pause moment. And they just for about 15 minutes sat still as the waves were crashing over the sand. And the, you know, the sun was shining beautifully in the sky. And for 15 minutes, this guy sat with Uncle Seamus as they just paused in the presence of God. And after about 15 minutes, Uncle Seamus was just overcome with joy and delight. And this elderly man starts to skip across the coast. And so he, the, the guy runs and catches up with Uncle Seamus and says, what, what, just, what just happened? And Uncle Seamus looks at him smiling. He says, I, lad, my father, he's so fond of me. He's so very fond of me. And I, I think that is the hope for the pause that I, I think God's heart is that he could, he could over the course of years and working this through that we could get to the place that when we sit still, we sense the delight and the affection and the love of our Heavenly Father. Is that good? Well, 
One of the things as we were praying for you this morning, um, had this sense um, that there's moments, and maybe you've already experienced them, maybe you're in the middle of one, that um, the Lord, uh, like John was talking about, puts us in one of those wrestles. Or maybe I've found that at times he puts me in a fast without realizing it, where what others think of me is not going so hot. How I'm performing is not going so hot. And what I have is not going so well. And my immediate response is, the devil is after me. Right? And God, will you address what others think of me? Will you please address how I'm performing? Will you please address what I have? And actually, I think what the Lord does sometimes is gives us a season when we fast the affirmation from those things. Now, I'm not saying that we choose to do that. I don't know anybody who'd do that on purpose. But I've noticed times where the Lord actually is, I've started to realize, oh, you're up to something. Because I can't get the affirmation I want from somebody else right now. I've got to wait to hear you say it to me. It's, it's so easy just to kind of paste over, just band-aid over our lack of the love of the Father when we go ahead and go with the old person strategy. So I just wanted to offer an encouragement that if you find yourself, maybe not all three questions, but one of these, you feel like, what is going on? Could it be that the Father loves you so much he doesn't want you counting on unstable ways of defining your significance or your safety. But he actually, could it be that all this crazy in our culture isn't the world coming against you, but it's the Father actually building you into his son, into his daughter, if we would let him. If we would pause and say, the whole world hates me, which it doesn't, by the way. For the most part, the whole world's not paying attention, right? I'm the one paying attention to me more than everybody else. I'm convinced everybody's probably mad at me about something and nobody's even noticing. And I'm not performing probably as bad as I think I am, but it just feels that way. And I'm not as well off, poorly off as I thought I was, but it's not the point. The point's what's going on in here. And I can tell by how much I'm freaking out <laughs> if I'm in the old person, right? Um, could we just say, actually, we are completely safe, whether we feel it or not. We're completely significant. I just don't believe it. Could we pause and let the Father tell us? What if we found ourselves incrementally, week by week, month by month, year by year, growing, into a sense of significance and safety that the whole world, even our enemies, could hate us and it doesn't matter. We can love them back because we're loved. Make sense? All right, let's stand together. John, I want you to pray for us as a benediction, please. Yeah, Lord Jesus, would you clothe us in your righteousness? Would you clothe us in your righteousness. Forgive us for all of the other things that we've 
try to wrap around ourselves. Lord, we want to be clothed in you. Lord, we want true kingdom significance, true kingdom safety. Lord, would you teach us to be able to answer these questions of significance and safety in an eternally and ultimately satisfying way. Lord, I pray for identity that's rooted in the gospel. Lord, significance that's rooted in the gospel. Lives that are rooted in the gospel. Otherworldly lives. Lord, I pray that you would call us to otherworldly type of living. Lord, would you just issue a death blow to the old man? Lord, and free us up to be beloved sons and daughters who can stand confident in their identities and represent you to the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So let's try five minutes a day. Let's keep it up, okay? Also, if you have any stories you want to share, bctulsa.com forward slash stories. Share a story about what God's doing in you. Just keep on trying to do the practice and see what God does in you.